Chapter 4, 1994. The greatest change in computing lands on a world that is still figuring out what a PC does. Welcome to the world of the internet, or World Wide Web, WWW. In 1994, Microsoft goes through the most significant strategic shift any successful company has ever gone through, and does so in an incredibly short time as we pivot the company around the internet. Section 24. Discovering Cornell is Wired. I was about to have my whole understanding of online services turned upside down. Personal thought bubble. The pending storm was all anyone was talking about as I completed the last few interviews at the end of my annual recruiting trip to Cornell in February 1994. As snow and more snow piled up, I knew I was not getting out that day as planned. This happened every other year or so. What I did not know was that getting stuck would turn into a lesson on what it takes for a large and successful organization to change course and rally around something new. Microsoft, and Bill G. in particular, were thinking about opportunities online, as it was called. Russ Siegelman, email Russ S., focused on the opportunity. As a recently hired fellow technical assistant, he was exclusively looking at the existing world of online information services and connectivity. The biggest online service by far was America Online, AOL. The dial-up service had membership of over 2 million households and notably was equally accessible from both Windows and Macintosh. AOL, along with CompuServe and Prodigy, were collectively a sort of big three of online services and gave a bit of a feel that they were like TV networks. And in some sense, they operated that way with various forms of channels. In 1992, AOL released a Windows version of the software, which previously ran on MS-DOS, putting it at parity with Macintosh. I used it in graduate school with the screen name Schnauz. It is still mine, but that's another story. Apple even had a deal with AOL that offered online services for Macintosh users on the AOL platform, and that in turn gave them leverage to develop exclusive online content deals with major media brands. That's the kind of thing that would Microsoft would take notice of. Millions of people sent email to each other on AOL, participated in communities, and explored deep information services on finance, sports, entertainment, and more. All of this was done from within the AOL application. Few, if any at the time, thought this approach, a so-called walled garden, was bad. In fact, most people thought it was the only way to package up a variety of services and information resources. AOL uniquely combined services with an application that handled the complexities of connecting a computer modem to the service over a landline. It was slick. To attract customers, AOL was spreading floppy disks everywhere through magazine inserts, cash registers, checkouts, direct mail, and more. It was growing fast, approaching $100 million in revenue. The online version has a photo of some AOL floppies. AOL was so exciting that Microsoft co-founder Paul A. became a major investor, much to the chagrin of the Microsoft competitive spirit. He even tried unsuccessfully to acquire a controlling interest of the entire company. Paul correctly recused himself for several board meetings during this time because of that ownership stake. The online version has a Wall Street Journal article from 1993 about Paul Allen attempting to acquire AOL. Bill G. was spending a great deal of time on the earliest stages of working with carriers or phone companies trying to navigate the right partnership model. Dial-up made these companies essential to the online world. Household high-speed connectivity was still years away, with many predictions of timelines and technologies, but no approach seemed like it would take hold anytime soon. In Europe, 
somewhat faster ISDN was useful to business customers, but globally, connectivity was rooted in the traditional phone companies over dedicated connection-based lines and slow. The phone companies, and later the cable companies, were motivated to achieve more than their pipeline or carrier status. Both wanted to play in the world of content and services and own more of a customer experience, especially for consumers. This led to a long series of discussions and eventually pilot projects between various players, including Microsoft. The spectacle of giant companies navigating a new space while simultaneously partnering and competing Frenemies or coopetition, terms that became popular in the increasingly intertwined P PC industry, was a sight to be seen. AT&T created a series of television commercials known as the Someday You Will ads. These were slick visions of the future, directed by David Fincher, Fight Club, and starring Jenna Elfman, Dharma and Greg, and narrated by Tom Selleck, Magnum P.I., they pitched a world in which one might borrow a book from thousands of miles away, watch the movie on demand, or even send a fax from the beach. That's AT&T for you. Bill loved to talk about these exact concepts when meeting with various digital highway partners, so when I showed him the commercials I had taped at home, he seemed irked at the feeling of having his concepts stolen. The truth is, everyone was talking about these broad ideas. AT&T happened to do a great job visualizing them. As we would learn, the part of the company that created these videos had nothing at all to do with the part of the company delivering products and services. It was pure vision marketing. There was a lot of that going on. Microsoft was investing heavily in creating CD-ROM content and was in the early stages of a robust line of multimedia titles, including Encarta's Encyclopedia and a whole series of interactive versions of beautiful books by the publisher Dorling Kindersley, from dinosaurs to dogs and musical instruments. We talked a great deal during Think Week about how this experience could translate into a programmed online experience, though the limitations of bandwidth were obvious, especially after the compromises faced to get these to work on PCs in the first place. Broadly, Bill's information at your fingertips, IAYF, vision loomed large. Unveiled at Comdex, the massive computer industry trade show, Comdex is a portmanteau of computer dealer exchange. In November of 1990, IYF presented a vision for computing years in the future that put important information in an integrated and seamless fashion just a click away. To articulate IAYF, Microsoft made its first visionary video based on the fictional coffee company Twin Hills with an oddly familiar green logo. Twin Peaks, filmed east of Seattle, was a big Northwest hit at the time, as was our local coffee. Many of us, myself included, made it over to the library to watch the video or secured it on one of the, one of the videotapes that were widely distributed. The online version has a link to the video of IOIF 1990 and 1994. There was also a very fancy brochure, which I kept at the time as a reminder of our vision. I was definitely giddy about the future. It was a future where we moved seamlessly between applications, just pointing and clicking, editing rich documents filled with charts and graphs, connecting to rich information and more. It was graphical. It was easy. It was what we love to call a North Star. The company would update IOIF to be shown at the November 1994 Comdex more than a year away. Recall those demonstrations from ThinkWeek about devices like General Magic that would become the focus of the updated vision. The roots of IAYF brought together two famous visions from the history of computing. In the July 1945 issue of The Atlantic, director of the Office of Scientific Research and Development, Dr. Van Iver Bush, authored As We May Think, in which he described a futuristic information tool for the workplace. Quoting, 
Consider a future device for individual use, which is sort of a mechanized private file and library. It needs a name. And to coin one at random, Memex will do. A Memex is a device in which an individual stores all his books, records, and communication, and which is mechanized so it can be consulted with exceeding speed and flexibility, is an enlarged, intimate supplement to his memory. The idea of having access to the world's information was a key part of IAYF. Bush took it a step further and connected aspects of the information together. Quoting, All this conventional, except for the projection forward of present-day mechanisms and gadgetry. It affords an immediate step, however, to associative indexing, the basic idea of which is a provision whereby any item may be caused at will to select immediately and automatically another. This is the essential feature of Memex. The process of tying two items together is the important thing. The online version contains the text of the July 1945 Atlantic article. This notion of tying two items together was widely present in multimedia titles. This action became known as hypertext, as originally described two decades after Bush's essay in a seminal work by information theory pioneer Ted Nelson, published in 1965 as Project Xanadu and the second major aspect of IAYF. On the subsequent project, Hypertext Editing System, Nelson worked closely with legendary computer science professor and founder of the computer science department at Brown University, Andres Andy Van Dam, who later became among the first advisors to Microsoft Research. Hypertext formed the foundation of multimedia titles and the training and help materials in Windows and Office known as WinHelp, similar to the most mainstream use of Hypertext, which was about to become incredibly interesting to Microsoft. It is notable that Apple HyperCard for Macintosh, released in 1987, made use extensively of hypertext and was widely used modern commercial system that influenced a generation. AOL was the reference point for online services and defined the experience we collectively believed was relevant. The idea of an online service that also had the feel of a television network for the information superhighway while also working as a PC application seemed to check all the boxes. The online version has a video of the Prodigy online service. The snow kept falling as I looked out of the window of Cornell's Statler Hotel. The online version has a photo of what Cornell with a lot of snow looks like. I was about to have my whole understanding of online services turned upside down. <laughs>